Hi, this is Phil DeBella, and you're listening to Flashcast by PDB. And today's topic comes in from Paul Wilson, who's asked me a specific question. It's going to be a tough one, but I'm going to give you my um, insights on it, Paul. Um, as a valued listener, of course, um, this is what we do. Um, try and answer the question We're using examples and uh, my insights as best possible. So, Paul, thank you. Um, and the question is, how do you successfully navigate when serving two competing customers? And in this specific case, you want to supply both Coles and Woolworths. So how do you go about ensuring you can build successful relationships with all parties whilst ba- both parties are fierce rivals? Well, um, great question happens a lot. Um, so let me start by saying that um, competition um, is always looking for suppliers to um, provide something that's unique and different. Um, and it does come down to products and services that you offer. Um, and it's, um, my advice and insights aren't going to suit all parties, but I am going to answer it from my perspective. Um, in the coffee industry, it happened a lot as we grew. It, um, it was easy to keep, um, you know, exclusive to clients. But obviously, as we grew bigger and bigger and people wanted um, to use our company more, uh, we found ourselves supplying many cafes within, you know, a stone's throw of each other. Uh, and what we did is, number one rule I always did is, I would not jeopardize my current business to put on new business. Um, so that's my tip number one uh, from experience is I don't jeopardize current business that I have or a current client um, in order to supply another client um, because we do need to show some level of loyalty. Uh, but again, you can't just build your business around one client. So when we're talking about Coles and Woolworths, if uh, Coles and Woolworths, for instance, you're supplying Coles made up for 50% of your business, um, then I wouldn't be exclusive to Coles because I've seen many businesses go go um, broke and lose money because all of a sudden a Coles or a Woolworths pulls a um um, the business from them. And that can not only cause or wars, it could be anybody. If 50% of your business is coming from one client, no matter how small or big you are, then um, you need to make sure that you're spreading that business because you're spreading the risk. And you're going to hear me talk about risk a lot in the next 10 minutes. And, and let me say, um, by putting it out there, always get comfortable with your worst possible scenario. So always be comfortable with the worst possible scenario. So when I was supplying a cafe coffee and somebody down the road asked me to supply, I'd firstly make sure that it wouldn't damage their business. Of course, the, the cafe down the road's got to buy coffee from somewhere, so they're going to take some business anyway. But what I would do in that case is design a different product. I'd design a different tasting coffee, um, or I, I would even maybe brand it different um, so that it wouldn't take the actual client base off that customer, but it would drag new business from elsewhere. Uh, so looking at diversifying my product range to be able to serve another customer um, was one way we went about it. But I always came back to the risk. I always came back to is there, what's the worst possible thing that could happen? And the worst possible thing that could happen and did happen on very few occasions that the um, the current customer that I had wasn't happy about me growing my business, which therefore led me to number two. I, I always had to have the mindset that if, if my current clients don't want to see me grow, then there's a problem. Um, you know, of course, I can't grow at their expense, but my current client base needs to have a level of understanding, um, you know, and compassionate. And, and that happens when you have a really, really good open, honest dialogue with them. So what I would do is I would go to the cafe and say, look, the cafe down the road wants to use our product. They're going to be using coffee from somewhere else. Uh, we, we do need to supply them um, to grow our business. However, we want to supply them in a way that won't jeopardize your business by giving them a different product under a different brand, et cetera, et cetera. So I always found that communication was key um, in that instance. Um, number three is always to make sure that you're planning 
part, what your business values are. Because I found that um, as it grew the business and we got bigger and bigger, it always came back to the values word. And it wasn't so much about the product and, and the service. What it became was, did the clients that we were putting on share the same values of the organization? Um, so does Coles, does Woolworths share the same values of your organization, Paul? That's a key key thing to think about um, because that's what it's going to come back to. Um, Transaction-based um, happens and still will, but is moving away. People are moving away from transaction-based um, you know, business. It's about relationship in business. So who can you build the better relationship with and who shares the best values? Um, and then there's also the question of, are you actually contradicting or actually are they competing? I mean, can you imagine if only Coles sold toilet paper and Woolworths didn't? I mean, you know, there's certain brands, certain products that have to be in both supermarkets. So, you know, if that's the case, well, then it answers the question. If it's not, can you provide one under one brand and one under another brand? Can you tailor the brand specific to the customer? Um, I always find that the answer will pop out based on the, the relativity of the product or service. Um, the answer will, fo- will pop out based on the relationship that you actually have um, with the organization and with the buyer. Uh, and of course, the bigger the organization gets, the harder it is to actually keep that relationship because people move around every so many years and, and the rest of it. And that's why you have to keep coming back to the risk cycle. What is the worst possible scenario that can happen? If you don't supply both and one pulls the pin, you have a backup. If you only supply one and they pull the pin, then you've got to start again. Now, an interesting thing to think about, and this is something I read in a Harvard paper a few years ago um, when I was building my business, is that, um, you you know, supplying two people is often seen as um, competition, but the moment you supply three or more, you're seen as a specialty um, in that area, that you specialize in that area. So perhaps there's an opportunity to not just supply Coles and Woolworths, but actually you supply IGA as well with a specialized product that all three of them can have. And again, the product might be a little bit different to each other, or it might be under a different brand. However, you become specialized in that area. And and one thing that I adopted from that was that we actually became, as a, as a a company when I built Debella Coffee and of course now I've sold it is we became known and specialized in dealing with owner-operators. Um, and so therefore, the concept and, and the way we were perceived that we were on every street corner and we were supplying everybody, um, we started to lose that stigma, that negativity started to drop when we became seen that we were actually specializing in owner-operators, that we would tailor-make coffee products um, for the cafe owner. We would, we would specialize our service for the cafe owner. And of course, our brand promise was to help cafe owners make money. So you can start to see using my own example, how um, a problem of you know supplying two or three on the same street suddenly turned into well it's not competition anymore we are now seen as specialist in supplying owner operators and tailor making coffee solutions for those owner operators so that they can make money and perhaps this is an opportunity Paul for you to have a look and the listeners that are in the same predicament is okay if I, if I'm serving competing customers it might be seen as competition. However, it's not just two, but I can go on to serve three or four or more competing customers that I'm actually seen as a specialist in this industry and therefore the go-to. And it's amazing because this is where the marketing brain comes in and we talk about perception. And perception is reality and perception is how people perceive you. And perception enacts the first engagement, the first purchase. 
the quality matching that perception, whether it's quality of service, quality of product or both, um, keeps the cycle going. And then the third part of the, the flywheel is um, consistency. So if people perceive you to be a great product, they'll buy it. If the quality matches the perception, they'll buy it again and they'll keep buying it if the product's consistent. And the moment that you break your brand promise or you break the quality of the product, um, in some cases the pricing of the product, which is often the value that they perceive, then you need to start again. And that's where a lot of companies get themselves in a predicament. They break the cycle by changing the perception or changing the quality or changing the consistency. And the moment you break that cycle, you need to start again. And there's organizations like Melbourne, uh, sorry, like um, McDonald's that have um, that have gone through that um, you know, where they've changed the perception of the product, uh, they've changed the quality or they've changed the consistency and they've had to start all over again with rebuilding their brands. Now, back in summary, Paul, um, I believe it is possible to, to serve competing brands. I always come back to what is my worst possible scenario if I do so. Remember that it's all about relationships. So build the relationship before you supply um, is a really good way to go about it. And I did that with some of my biggest customers. I actually had a relationship with them for 12 months, 24 months before they actually started buying anything from me. Um, so the cement is is um, nice and set before we actually start doing business together. Remember that um, it, 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 you can't have more than, you know, say I always work off at least 50% at worst case scenario of your business with one client. It's just too risky to do that. So if you're in that position, well, then the answer is, yep, you need to be looking for new clients. But um you know, again, relationships, making sure that your perception's right, communication, these are the key things that come out of it. And remember, everything comes back to the values of your organization. There is no right, there is no wrong. It really is about the values of the organization and, and how you want to take it and which direction you want to take your business. Paul, thank you for your question. I hope um, this has answered, um, we're giving you some insights to help you make decisions and also with the listeners. Till next time, you've been listening to Phil DeBella and this is Flashcast by PDB. 